Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first edition of Dotting the I. I'm Zach Ebrahim. First off, I just want to welcome you to the show and just give you a little bit about myself and what to expect from the episodes to come. This being the introductory episode, you should probably get to know the host. Uh, born and raised in Los Angeles, California. When I tell that to people out here, they always look at me like I have a third eye. You know, why are you here? Uh, and in short order, it really is the media school. Uh, I have this great opportunity to have a show here in the media school. Andrew Briggs producing for me today. Thank you. Uh, I made it here completely dry, missed all the rain, and also missed class this morning, so that's something. But lucky enough, I am here and very excited to start this show off. I'm a big sports guy. I wasn't early in my life, but when I entered my pre-teens, I fell in love with basketball and really fell in love with the idea of watching sports and being a sports announcer. I, I really think it's the most ideal job, especially for myself or for any individual who wants to be surrounded by sports but doesn't have the, the skill set or the talent to really be an athlete, which I fall into that category. <laughs> but the thing is, when you love something so much, you want to be surrounded by it. And when you find you have a niche for something, you might as well stick with it. I love sports. I love music. I love my friends and my family. And I love the pursuit of a career. I love hearing when people are motivated towards something. I'm always interested in why and how do you expect to get there. This is just an outlet for me to get reps behind a microphone and really just talk about sports. Maybe get angry sometimes. Maybe get really excited if my teams are doing well. Who knows? But uh, I'm just here to fill you guys in for a little under an hour and hopefully entertain and not have you click away or take a nap. First off, obviously, I'm a Dodger fan, born and raised in Los Angeles. The other day was not very fun. Didn't get much sleep the night after. If we're going to start in the world of baseball, I'm going to start with my team. That's just what I'm going to do. I would completely recap game five, but I don't see any point to. I just want to talk about the result. I want to start with the regular season. It was a blast. 106 wins, the most in franchise history for the regular season, but zero playoff series wins in 2019 for the Los Angeles Dodgers. The disappointing Dodgers. I had people texting me from home and from wherever they're going to school, asking legitimately if I was all right. It was devastating, but people were seriously, hey, are you okay? And all my friends were down in the dumps. It, it wasn't fun. And it never is to, to not win at all, especially when you have the expectations that they did. And who's to blame? That's the question I hear so often. Who's to blame for the loss? I frankly don't care, but it's Dave Roberts. It's the manager. It really is. And I'm not here to call for his job like so many Dodger fans were. I think that's ridiculous. I think you can't fire your manager after he's been to back-to-back -back World Series, wins over 100 games in the regular seasons he's been there, and just doesn't deliver. Some of it's been bad breaks, and a lot of it's been bad managing, specifically in this series. If we want to start with how he called to the bullpen and who he brought out, yes, the guys gave up runs, a lot of runs, and cost us the game. But I'm not going to call for him to lose his job. I want to look really quickly at Joe Madden, a, a man who lost his job, the Chicago Cubs manager this year. He brought them their first championship in over 100 years, and it finally took them not making the playoffs and looking terrible on the road this year for them to let him go. It, it took that bad of a season for them to finally say, Joe, we love you, but we can't employ you anymore. Because the Cubs have just been worse and worse since they won in 2016. In 2017, the Dodgers roughed them up in the NLCS. They win in five. In 2018, they don't win the division and lose to the Rockies in the wildcard game. 
Now this year, you can't wait. You can't win away from Wrigley. You lose the division. Don't make the playoffs, and now he's gone. Dave Roberts is in a different situation, obviously not having delivered the World Series yet. But I'm still not going to call for his job. They're going to give him another chance. But I'm going to say to Dave, look, you've taken us to back-to-back World Series until this year, with a legit chance to win one in the series against the Astros. That one went seven. And if it's not for you, Darvish, tipping pitches and giving up five runs, maybe you win game seven and maybe the Dodgers break, you know, the, the championship drought that they've had since my older brother was alive. They haven't won since 1988. Shout out to Sammy. Now with a first round exit, it's going to be a long offseason and the team will have a lot to think about. There's no question he'll be on the hot seat. And just like the past few years, for the next season, it'll be World Series or bust for the Los Angeles Dodgers. There's, there's no question about it. And I don't mean to get angry here, but if you're, if you're just going to look at how the series went, okay, the Dodgers win game one, 6 nothing. a dominant performance by Walker Buehler. First off, I'm going to give Dave Roberts his, pro- his, his props, the, 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 the props he deserves. For first off, starting Walker Buehler in game one, and I'll be completely honest, when I saw how dominant he was, and Clayton Kershaw had an underrated regular season, all I'm thinking is, save Kershaw for game three. You've got Walker Bueller, your stud ace, throwing a gem in game one. You shut them out. They got two hits in the entire game. I'm going to look at game two. Nats win it four to two. Kershaw doesn't pitch very well. He looks like playoff Clayton Kershaw. And then you have Ryu, the Cy Young, probably in the NL, give you a victory in game three. He didn't pitch extremely well, but he pitched well enough to win. And the Dodgers offense came alive scoring 10 runs. Imagine if you had Ryu pitch in Game 2, playoff Kershaw Game 3, you can close it out on the road in Game 4, possibly. We don't know how it goes, I'm just speaking in hypotheticals. We look at Game 4, though, I'm a guy who loves Rich Hill. Okay, I have a, I have a buddy who calls him Rich Over the Hill. Th- this guy probably shouldn't be pitching anymore, and he gives you about three innings of work. You know that if Rich Hill's going to be starting the game, it's going to be a bullpen game. That's exactly what happened. The Dodgers' bullpen didn't come through. And Dave Roberts didn't press the right buttons. There's no question about it. The, the Nationals couldn't hit Kenta Maeda in this series. There was just no way around it. He pitched, I think, three or four innings. Didn't give up a run. Pedro Baez pitched multiple. Gave up several home runs. It, it's inexcusable. You have to keep yourself in the moment. And he's been an analytics guy throughout the entire regular season. Lefty on lefty. Righty on righty. This guy can't hit him. He went away from that. Let's look specifically at Game 5 now, if we can, if I even want to. You're up 3 nothing, and he, pu- he pushed the right button starting Kiki Hernandez because Kike in the playoffs has, is a different animal. We can see that now. He's had a three-home run game in the NLCS, a clinching game, and he gave him another solo shot last night. And first off, Max Muncy was the best player in this series, and it wasn't even close. He hit three home runs, okay? The Nationals weren't seemingly hitting them out. The the Nationals didn't hit the ball out a lot. They just hit it out when it counted and when the Dodgers didn't push the right buttons and go into their bullpen. It was just unfortunate. And all the props in the world to Washington, seriously. They had never won a playoff series before. And if we're going to look back to 2016, which I usually do fondly in that first round five-game series— Kershaw got the save, his first ever career save in an elimination game on the road. We're thinking, oh my goodness, the demons have been lifted. Kershaw looks great. He gets a save. He didn't pitch really well in the series, but he pitched well enough to win. 
And last night, all I saw was Dave Roberts getting nostalgic. Clayton Kershaw is his guy, right? He's like a son to him. And he hasn't even been there that long. That's just how much he loves Clayton Kershaw. Dave Roberts clearly got nostalgic the other night. He's thinking in the bottom of the, in the top of the seventh and in the, in the top of the eighth, excuse me, I'm going to go to my guy. I'm going to go to my ace. He can finish this game. The first thing I thought of was, are you not thinking about the next series? Because if Kershaw doesn't, is, doesn't pitch in game five and they still win, he's starting game one of the NLCS, most likely, because Bueller has pitched another gem in game five. He's set you up to win, giving up only one run. You go straight to Kershaw. Now, yeah, Kershaw got himself out of a jam. He struck out Adam Eaton in the top of the seventh on three pitches. I was honestly stunned. I was thinking, okay, maybe he lets in a run, but that was it. Strikes him out on three pitches. Then we go to the top of the eighth. He gives up two bombs. First off, the pitch to Anthony Rendon is a good pitch. Anthony Rendon just picked it up off the floor and sent it out of the ballpark. The pitch to Soto was an absolute meatball, and he just sent it 440 feet. Then you're tied at eight, and the, the demons are present. And Dave Roberts has to be thinking, wow, th- this is completely my fault. He has to own this. Because you have Kenta, who, as I mentioned, they just haven't hit well in this series. You have Kenley Jansen, who I know has struggled, but he hasn't pitched in the series yet. They haven't seen him. You can throw him out there. Uh, He just didn't push the right buttons, and it's unfortunate. Now the Dodgers are out of the playoffs. And there's no question that the the National League was not as talented as it usually is. The Dodgers were the best team above and beyond everyone else. The Nationals obviously played to their competition, were not intimidated whatsoever, and just beat the Dodgers fair and square. Dave Roberts has to own this one, and so do the Los Angeles Dodgers. But Dave Roberts will not lose his job, and he will have to deliver in order to keep it. There's just no way around it. So that's my Dodgers rant to start this show. If we're going to talk about baseball, just overall, the playoffs have been phenomenal. The, the Braves lost to the Cardinals in five games, but the Braves are just too young. Uh, frankly, I saw this coming. The Braves will rule their division for the perennial future, and they'll be a threat for years to come. There's just too much talent on that team, but they're just a little too young. Last year, the Dodgers beat them in four in the NLDS. The Dodgers weren't really scared of them. The league has to be scared now. Acuna, Freddie Freeman, decent pitching all around. Josh Donaldson's going to re-sign. This team is going to be good. The Cardinals, we learned, are still the class of baseball, specifically the NL. This is their 10th NLCS. Now, that, frankly, is just ridiculous. This team had no business, A, winning the division, and B, winning a playoff series. They've done both now and are a legit threat to go to the World Series. Now, the Nats, if we're going to go to the Nats, as I mentioned, their first playoff series win Ever. You want to talk about a cursed franchise, a franchise that we never thought would break through? That is the Washington Nationals. And they finally did against the Los Angeles Dodgers on the road. It was truly poetic. Now, the Astros were pushed to the brink five games once again. No, I was not thinking whatsoever that Tampa would win that game. I just saw no chance that they hit Garrett Cole. The Astros were pushed to the brink, but mainly because of the bad outing by Zach Greinke in Game 3. Now, Greinke was the big off-season pickup, right? Like, that was what we thought put them over the top. Wow, they got a third ace on their staff? We thought it was a done deal. The Rays showed that it's not. It it truly isn't. The Astros still look like the best all-around team in the American League, but we can't overstate that their pitching can be vulnerable. Now, granted, Verlander and Cole just haven't been hit this postseason. That might change against the Yankees. We have to wait and see. 
going to the Yankees, the Yankees were dominant and just beat up the Minnesota Twins, who, like the Braves, are just a little bit too young yet. Again, probably will win that division. They'll have to compete with Cleveland, but they just look too good. The Yankees' offense is potent. The pitching is what they'll need to get around. Now, if I'm going to preview each series, I'm looking at the fact that the Cardinals have home field. That is something, and I'm looking at the Astros do as well. I'm not going to put a lot of stock into it. I'm really not. I actually might have both teams that don't have home field winning these series. I I really might. I might take the Nats in six, and I might take the Yanks in seven. I'm going to take the Yanks in seven because I saw the Astros get pushed to the brink, and I'm going to take the Nats in six because they beat up the best team in the National League, showed no fear, and in their wins in game four and in game five, they, they come out of nowhere. Whether you want to blame the Dodgers for not pushing the right buttons, I'm going to give props to the Nationals for taking advantage of the missteps and, frankly, just capitalizing on them. Nats in six, Yanks is seven. You can hold me to it. I'll probably be wrong. Thursday Night Football was last night. If you want to switch sports with me real quick, the Patriots and the Giants. What do you hear or what do you think when you hear that? I think Super Bowls, mainly Super Bowl losses for Tom Brady. Now, I didn't see any way that the Giants win the game last night, frankly, because Daniel Jones is still a rookie, and he looks like it. He just does. Rookies now can look so poised in the pocket and have a flashy win like Jones did. He played phenomenal against Tampa Bay. But if you're going up against a Bill Belichick defense for the first time in your career, I just don't see a way that you can look good. Now, we had the long touchdown pass to Golden Tate. The kid looks good. He's throwing picks still, still fumbling the ball. But this is also a testament to how good the Patriots' defense is. This is a historically good defense. They've given up nine third-down conversions on the season. That's just ridiculous, okay? Patrick Mahomes has that in a game. It's absurd. Where the Patriots look suspect is on the offensive end, okay? The defense is the best it's been in a long time. Okay, this Patriots offense is suspect. Tom Brady is showing age. There's just no way around it. He's 42 years old. He, in theory, shouldn't be playing, but he's an anomaly. Okay, this I'm going to get to him later. Don't worry about that. But seriously, the Patriots offense is suspect, but they're still going to be a contender because of that defense. And their offense might be like not potent, but you still have a Hall of Famer, the greatest quarterback of all time, Manning it. If you want to call him a game manager, that's fine because he's a game manager that converts on third down, makes the right throw when he needs to, and can find his open man, who right now is only Julian Edelman. I think the Patriots are still the class of the league and are going to be for a while, even when when Tom Brady leaves. Now, if we're going to get to football overall, week six is coming up really fast, okay? We just had the first game. We had Giants and Patriots. I'm going to look at the spreads of these games really quick. The Giants were plus 16 and a half. Okay, Patriots covered. If you took the Giants, I'm not quite sure what you're thinking with your money. Now let's go to Carolina and Tampa. This is Carolina minus two. Okay, I'm going to take Tampa Bay here. I'm going to take the over. I really think Tampa Bay has been underrated this year. They've gone on the road and played a tough Saints team. It didn't look like they were going to win that game. But then they light up the Rams for 55 points. I think they're a real Jekyll and Hyde team where they play really well one week and just absolutely play awful the next. The next game I see here, this is the one that sticks out to me above and beyond, is Texans and Chiefs. 
These are two of the best young quarterbacks that the league has seen in a while. Okay, this is Deshaun Watson playing Patrick Mahomes. These are two really talented arms. The Texans are plus five on the road at Kansas City. Now, we just saw Indianapolis go in there and beat Kansas City. Okay, that was a telling game. It told me that the Chiefs aren't healthy and that the way you beat them is if you run the ball. This is where I get suspect. I don't know if the Texans can run the ball enough to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. But does Patrick Mahomes feel healthy enough, have the offensive weapons to, to get open? He obviously still has Kelsey, but can Watkins get open? Can Hardman get open? We, we have to wait and see. The Texans' defense is nothing to scoff at, but then again, they're not pushovers. I think I like Texas in this game. Philadelphia at Minnesota. Philadelphia plus three. This is interesting to me. I, I really don't get it because Kirk Cousins, as bad as he's played, this Minnesota team is still a threat to win the division and even make the playoffs. Philadelphia plus three. I'm looking at Carson Wentz, okay? He's healthy, and he looks dangerous. He's had some bad losses this year, but entirely you can say they're not his fault. Maybe a couple drops here. If those balls are caught, maybe they win the game. I'm talking about Aguilar. Carson Wentz has been phenomenal this year. He, he's done everything he can with the weapons he has. Bengals at Ravens. I'm not going to put this game on. Uh, Bengals plus 11 and a half. I'm going to go ahead and say Baltimore beats them by more than that. Seattle and Cleveland. Man, Cleveland got embarrassed. That, that was really bad. Uh, I, I was a big fan of Baker Mayfield coming into this year. I really thought he would have a coming out party with all the weapons that he has. But Baker, frankly, has just been awful. I, I, I mean, Russell Wilson has been the exact opposite of him. I love when people say that Baker is a poor man's Russell Wilson. I, I frankly don't see it. All I see is a height, dif- like the same height. I see a 5'10 quarterback. That's all I see. He doesn't have the arm talent of Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, like you can say Baker is more accurate. I'm not even sure about that, okay? Russell Wilson has been making throws this year that are otherworldly, that only Patrick Mahomes could maybe make. I like Seattle in that game. New Orleans at Jacksonville. This is not going to be an easy game for Teddy Bridgewater because he stepped in and he hasn't lost a game since coming in, but I still like Jacksonville's defense. That's why probably their favorite in this game. I, I find it crazy how good Gardner Minshew has been. Now, if it wasn't for a loss at Texas... Gardner Minshew would be over 500 in his career. And I think that's just fun to look at. I, I, love his, I love his swag. He's got the mustache. He reminds us all of Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. I get a kick out of it. And I frankly, uh, this guy's a stud. He doesn't have the arm talent, really. Doesn't really ha- he has the size to be a good quarterback. And I love, it. I love that it's interesting that Nick Foles comes over and wants to be the starter, right? He was the backup at Philadelphia, steps in when Carson Wentz is injured, Shows out, wins a Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP, and puts up a legit title defense. Okay, losing to New Orleans the last year. We, we know about this. I love how he comes to this new team, gets injured in the first game, and now the backup is showing out. The backup of the backup. I, I, I think this is crazy. Wherever he goes, a backup quarterback is going to shine, whether it's him or his own backup. It's very interesting to me. I think I like New Orleans in that game. They keep the streak going. Redskins at Dolphins. Don't put this game on. Just don't. There's no point to. Uh, I'll take Miami for the fun of it. Falcons at Cardinals. This game is going to be fun because Atlanta's been disappointing this year. Arizona's been exciting at times. 
David Johnson's hurt. He's on my fantasy team. I'm kind of worried about it. I really don't know what to think. Give me Arizona for the fun of it. San Francisco at Rams. Okay, now Goff has not looked good this year. Okay, he's been a turnover machine. Okay, but Garoppolo hasn't been special. Now the Niners are 4-0, but that defense is legit. That's for sure. Give me San Francisco in this game. Tennessee at Denver. Another game I probably won't watch. Like I'll have the red zone on and this game will be on. Titans plus two and a half. I mean, Joe Flacco just got his first win against the Chargers. The Chargers are a totally different story. They're going to be playing on Sunday night. That'll be a fun game. Uh, Give me Tennessee in this game plus two and a half. Dallas at the Jets. Okay, now the Jets are going to get Sam Darnold back. Dak has been in a slump. Dallas is going to go off in this game against the Jets defense. That seemingly isn't there. Dallas wins by about 10 or 12. uh, Take the over on eight and a half. Steelers and Chargers. Okay, Steelers plus six and a half. This is interesting. The Chargers have had really bad losses this year. They just have. They've played down to competition and there's no way around it. Phillip Rivers is still Phillip Rivers. He'll make the occasional amazing throw to Keenan Allen and the casual soul-crushing pick at the end of the game to lose it. Or one really early on that gives up points. Chargers end up being down early and can't seem to come back. I think this. they win this game, though. At home, even though they never really play at home. It's always a road game. I'm going to take the Chargers minus six and a half. The Monday night game is going to be fun. Detroit has surprised a lot of people, and Green Bay has as well with their defense. But Green Bay's defense really was playing bad teams at the start, or bad offenses at least. Detroit plus four and a half, I might like the Lions. I really might. They had this, The Packers are coming up this big win in Dallas where Aaron Rodgers didn't have to do anything. That game was all Aaron Jones. That was all the running game. I'd be looking at Detroit plus four and a half here. That's just to sum up the who wins, upsets, spreads, week six of the NFL. I want to transition now to something I'm going to have a lot of fun with, and that is drawing parallels. One thing, one of the first things I want to talk about, okay, is this stigma of the old man in sports and in movies, and in music. The stigma of the old man getting it done, right? Like we always say, man, the old man still got it. It's something we can always say, whether it's a lead man in a movie, okay, an old rock performer, or an athlete that either used to be a star, maybe he's on the back nine of his career, but he's still a stud. We still look at him like this Hall of Famer, that he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Example one being Tom Brady, okay? This guy's 42 years old. I told you he'd come back up on the show because I love to gas this guy, right? 275 regular season games, over 72,000 career passing yards, second all-time in touchdown passes, one major injury that sidelined him for a year. His numbers could be better if he plays that entire season. He's had 15 seasons with at least 25 passing touchdowns. He's thrown, he threw double that number when he had Rodney Moss. He He had a 50 touchdown season, like Patrick Mahomes. We know that the talent differential is there between the two, but Brady is still something to marvel at. If we're going to talk playoffs, Brady's a different animal. He's played in 40 playoff games. That's more games than 18 of the current 32 NFL franchises. Brady's thrown 73 playoff touchdowns, with next on the list being Joe Montana, his idol. He's thrown a touchdown pass to 28 different players in the playoffs. Okay, this is a number I I found unbelievable. Now, I'm just going to ask this question. How many touchdown passes do you think Tom Brady threw to Randy Moss alone? 
Now I'll give you a second and then I'll surprise you by telling you the answer is one. He only threw one touchdown pass in the playoffs to Randy Moss. That stuck out to me. That's just fascinating. Brady's the oldest ever to win a Super Bowl, also the second youngest. He's led four game-winning drives in Super Bowls. This guy, like I said before, is an anomaly, okay? He's special, all right? He's showing deterioration, but just the fact that he's still playing is what really impresses me, okay? So that's an old man getting it done in sports. I've got multiple examples lined up here. Really quickly, I just want to transition to Hollywood, right? So an actor like Samuel L. Jackson, he's in everything, okay? You've never seen him show up on a screen and be anything but just joyful, anything but happy. Oh, Sam Jackson's in this movie. I'm going to either laugh. I'm going to acknowledge how much of a badass he is. This guy can fit in any genre of a movie. He's been in over 100 movies. We all know at least one of his famous lines, okay? Diehards know some of his dialogue from certain movies like Pulp Fiction, okay? Sam Jackson is a guy who's still getting it done in Hollywood, will still take any role and fit into it seamlessly because he commits himself to his character, okay? He's one of those old guys that still gets it done in Hollywood, okay? This is a guy I love. If we're going to stick in Hollywood for just one more second, Jack Nicholson, okay? He's done acting now, but his career had a steady trajectory that was nowhere but up, okay? If we weren't looking at him on our TV when we were watching, like, if we weren't looking for him when we were watching a Laker game, like, oh, where's Jack Nicholson on the sideline? You were quoting him and probably didn't even know it, okay? And you, it, it's, it's unbelievable to me. Three-time Academy Award winner, okay? And the only actor to receive an Oscar nomination in every decade from 1960 to 2000. That's just impressive. He's done acting now. The guy is just, now he's playing too old. But he was acting when he was still relatively old in Hollywood. He won the Oscar for the best actor at 60, okay? In a movie where he was playing a total prick. This is the movie as good as it gets. This movie just came out on, it's been on Netflix for a little bit now. I highly recommend going to watch it. It's one of his best performances. He's a total asshole in it, but you somehow just find yourself rooting for him. It's really interesting to me, the dynamic he presents. This is an old guy that got it done in Hollywood. We're going to go back to sports now for someone that everyone loves, and that's Adam Vinatieri. This guy's the greatest kicker of all time, and it's not even close. He's the all-time leading points. He's the all-time leader in points in the NFL and has, pl has played two highly praised stable and iconic franchises, the Colts and the Patriots. He's in his 24th season, kicking at the age of 46. He's made some of the most iconic kicks in NFL history, in snowstorms, in Super Bowls, two game-winning kicks in Super Bowls. He's fallen off, and it's clear to see, right? 73% on his field goals, 75% on extra points. But Colts fans aside, you can't tell me that when Vinatieri makes a kick, you won't be cheering for him. You have to. You, you love the gray beard. You love the gray hair, and he's still making these 35, 40-yard kicks, okay? You hope this guy plays till he's 50, right? The old man's still got it. This is all we say with this guy. Seriously, the sad thing is when he misses and fans want him cut on the spot, cut this old man, it's extremely disrespectful, okay? Take a step back and remember that Andrew Luck retired and left your franchise. Not saying he was out of line whatsoever, right? But Adam is still here for you guys. He's trying his best to prolong his career, and I guarantee if he gets to the point where he knows he's no longer capable of contributing, he'll walk away into the sunset. He'll retire. He'll get another kicker. He might not be as good, but you hope he is because you'll remember Vinatieri and you'll remember how good he was for you. The old man still got it. 
How about basketball? How about my favorite sport? How about Vince Carter? Okay, savor this year because it's his last in the NBA. He's gonna be, he's gonna be in his 22nd year. Okay, with the Atlanta Hawks, and still gives fans the weekly highlight dunk, the bucket, the and one. Vince hasn't averaged double-digit scoring numbers since 2013-14. This is the season when he was hitting game winners in the playoffs with the Mavericks, okay? As fans, we only wish he could add a ring to his already Hall of Fame legacy, and that'd be what we'd want him to do if he continued playing. But instead, he's playing with the young guns, right, with the Hawks. Like, he's playing with the guys that are coming up in this league when he's already made a man of himself. He's already a human highlight reel. So that's Vince Carter for you. Still playing, still getting it done. The old man still got it. Now let's transition to baseball, okay? I'm going to talk about a guy that plays for the Angels, was a stud for the Cardinals, all-time Cardinal, and that's Albert Pujols. We get it. One of the greatest power hitters of all time who has made enough money to satisfy multiple generations of Pujols. His home run chase is always fun to keep up with. But if I'm the Angels, I look at how much I'm paying him, and I probably say the same thing the average baseball consumer says when he strikes out, hits into a doubled play. Man, how is he still playing? When is he going to call it quits? This is a different kind of side of things because you're looking at the amount of money he's making and you compare it to the production. If you took age away, you're going to say, wow, he's overpaid. This is ridiculous. He's underperformed, right? Kind of how people were going off on Bryce Harper this year with the Phillies when he was hitting like 230 with like 12 home runs. It's like, we're paying you $300 million. Where's the, where's the power? Where are the RBIs? Now, Pujols still does that. Pujols had a good RBI, la- RBI year last year, okay? But we still find ourselves asking, man, when is he going to call it quits? Like, this guy is old. The old man might not still have it, okay? One of the final examples I want to use, if we just want to go back to Hollywood real quick, is a series of actors in certain films that all encompass a specific genre. One that I personally was shown by my dad and older brother and that I love. One I'm talking about is the coveted action star and action heroes and icons. The seemingly always aging, slow moving, but still well-built action star of the old days and still in the current days. Can you believe they're coming out with a new Terminator and a new Rambo? Why? I, I really, at this point, it's just a money grab. The Expendables is a film franchise built around putting these old, washed-up action stars around some young guns. This is a true story. I went to see the second one in theaters with my dad because I always laughed. I was like, Dad, let's go see Schwarzenegger. Let's go see Stallone, Chuck Norris, Mel Gibson. Let's go see these old guys. We sat down in the theater. Previews are over. Movie just starts. Guns blazing. My dad just leans and he's like, I don't know why we're here. Seriously, because he knows how the movie's going to go. He knows how it's going to end. And he's like, I just paid $30 to take however old I was, like to take my son to see this movie. And I don't know why I'm here. I would rather just wait for it to come out on DVD or stream it illegally. You know, why are we here? Why are we giving these guys money and, and still giving them hope? It's fun. It's exciting. It's honestly funny at times. But in the end, you're leaving the theater thinking about all the money you just gave to these guys. Like my dad did, all right? They're already millionaires. Before my generation was born, these guys were millionaires, right? Schwarzenegger was a governor while I was alive, and I thought he was a governor before he was an actor. My dad goes, no, no, no. The governor of our state was the Terminator. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. But then you think about it, and I'm like, how did he become a governor? He's a politician? This guy's an activist now? I thought he was just a bodybuilder. 
It's hilarious to me. If I see the new Terminator or the new Rambo, which I will, I'm going to admit to this. I probably will see them. I'm going to leave the theater saying, why did I go? Why did they facilitate this? The old men technically still have it. Uh, probably not. They can barely move now and they're still killing everybody on screen. It's frankly hilarious. If you want to talk music, who doesn't love music, by the way? I can't walk anywhere or drive anywhere without listening to music. Specifically oldies, right? So everyone's obsessed with hip-hop now. I love it. Phenomenal genre. Encompasses all genres put together. But I want to talk about, like, old musicians in concert, okay? So my mom was lucky enough a couple years ago to go see the Beach Boys in concert. I was like, oh, my goodness. How? How are they still performing? She goes, well, they don't do much on stage, really. They just kind of stand there, play the instrument, you know, sing the vocals. And I'm like, yeah, but were you expecting them to put on a show? These are the Beach Boys. These guys were hits in the 60s and early 70s, right? Putting out great albums, putting out great songs. They're not going to put on a show for you. They're too old. But they're straight legends. And they're still performing in concert, okay? I'm not going to... This is one for me. I went and saw Frankie Valli. If you know who that is, props to you. I went and saw Frankie Valli in concert with my mom, my grandma, my brother, family friend. It was so fun. We knew all the songs. We were singing along. The guy didn't put on a crazy show, but he's so old, has the exact same voice. Frankly, it's incredible. So the fact that he can still put on a show, still play to an audience, and have everyone know his songs is incredible to me. You shouldn't expect a light show, fireworks, Nothing like that. Another example would be Bon Jovi. I saw Bon Jovi, okay, at the Forum in Inglewood. One of the best concerts I've ever been to. Okay, it was so fun. And it was a spectacle. Not because they were going crazy on stage. First of all, Bon Jovi's put out like a hundred albums. And Bon Jovi himself is so old now, but is still a solid lead man. The coolest part about that show is how they play to the crowd. Not with a fireworks show. Like I mentioned, this isn't a Kiss concert. This isn't Motley Crue. This isn't Poison. This is Bon Jovi playing to the crowd. You know the song. You know all the words to it. I'm going to need you to clap with me. I'm going to need you to sing with me. And let's all go crazy to make our performance seem that much better. That's what I loved about this Bon Jovi concert. That's what I love about these old guys in music who play to the crowd get the stuff done without all of the other stuff in the background. It's not a light show. It's not going crazy. The, the drummer's not, you know, breaking all the equipment in the background. It, it's, it's nothing crazy like that. Now, trust me, if I'm going to go to a music fest, right, I want them to go absolutely berserk because I'm going to be going berserk myself. So that's different with this generation. I'm talking old generations now. I'm not crapping on anything that the new generation does now because I love what we do. I love when we go to music festivals and go crazy. I love when we mosh. It's all so fun to watch, and I'm sure the performers feed off of it. But if I want to talk about the older generations, they're still performing now, still making money, people still know their songs, and all they have to do is play to the crowd. The crowd knows the music. I need you to sing along. Old guys getting it done in music. They'll eventually retire, but they're still getting it done. Final thing I want to talk about today. I want to talk about greatness in athletes. Pure greatness, legends, in the making, already made, and continuing. The first guy that we already talked about is Tom Brady. One thing that I do in sports, as a consumer, and as a wannabe member of the media, is I root for greatness. Now, some people, certain sportscasters, are going to root for storylines, right? They're going to root for 
the rookie head coach to beat the head coach that he was taught by, right? That's cool. But how about this great coach, this great player, continuing their greatness for as long as it goes on? It's crazy to me, right? Super Bowl 53, Patriots, Rams. I am from L.A. I was rooting for the Patriots. I wanted to see Tom Brady get as many rings as Michael Jordan. I just thought that was so cool. And I'm not a Rams fan. I just, I'm really not. Y'all went to St. Louis for a little bit. You came back here. Cool. It's nice to have you. You guys have a great team, a stud coach. I was just rooting for greatness. That's just me. I wanted to see Tom Brady get six. I want to see him get seven. I just think it's so cool that an old guy is still piling up the rings and on his way out, he'll get to flash him in the young guy's face. But then a guy like Patrick Mahomes, one day we'll probably be able to see, you know, I got a ring on each finger too. That's still a possibility. I'm just telling you now, I'm rooting for greatness. Another guy is Tiger Woods. This guy has not had a career where it's a straight trajectory up. It may start in the middle, go all the way to the top, come back down to the bottom. He's, he, he has seen so many highs and lows, it's really hard to count. Okay, Tiger's been phenomenal. Now, here's the thing. I have a good friend who loves golf, will talk to me all the time about golf. I've never golfed in my life other than taking a girl on a date mini golfing. You know, that was a blast. I really didn't know what I was doing. But seriously, this is the only connection to golf I had. And when Tiger was in the hunt for the Masters that weekend, I was glued to my TV. I really was. And I had people texting me, are you watching Tiger? Am I watching Tiger? I didn't know you watched golf. Like, this is how these conversations would go. But this is what a goat like Tiger Woods does for his sport. He draws people in. You love to see the red Nike polo on a Sunday. That means something legendary is about to happen. Tiger, Tiger is about to make his mark, win the Masters again. Something we never thought would happen after his career took that downward spiral. All the surgeries, all the rumors about how he wants to be done. He showed you that he doesn't, and he showed you that he can still do it. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen again or anytime soon, but for that specific Masters, I watched it. I watched for Tiger. I wanted to see greatness perform. The next guy I want to talk about in the final guy is LeBron James. LeBron James is the best player of my lifetime that I've seen play basketball. Now, the instant backlash is going to be, you didn't get to watch Jordan. This is a fact. Okay, this is where I'll go to my family to talk about Jordan. My brother gets to say, my dad and my brother, frankly, get to say that they watched Michael Jordan play basketball in person. Michael Jordan is a myth, right? He's a shoe. He, he's, he's, he's the owner of the Hornets, right? Frankly, not doing a good job. Like my generation to Jordan, obviously we consider him the goat and should. We consider his greatness, but we're watching greatness in LeBron James. And I want to be able to say that I saw the greatest player of all time play in person, play in what was it? eight or nine straight finals. This is an absurd number. And I want to say that I got to witness it. This is why I root for a guy like Tom Brady to get more rings than anyone ever. Tiger Woods to continue his rampage on the sport of golf, even in his advanced years. 
LeBron, not in his advanced years, but on the way out in his career almost. But the guy's still getting it done. The guy still gives us the highlights. He's passing Michael Jordan on the all-time scoring list. He's passing Wilt Chamberlain. People think that he'll pass Karl Malone and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But the day that I see it, I cannot wait to say that I saw LeBron James become the greatest player of all time. This is going to mean championships, obviously. First off, I'm not, I didn't talk basketball really on this show, but I cannot wait to get in depth to what is happening in my city in terms of basketball. The NBA has to be thrilled with this. Two of the best teams in the NBA are in the same gym. Okay, it's, it's really fascinating. And you have to love that all the teams are spread even with their dynamic duos. Everyone's a contender. Teams are better than others, but the contenders are going to be fun to watch. The Lakers are a contender this year, and frankly, I think they'll do well. I don't know if they'll win a championship. The Clippers are pretty good too. But the Lakers and that brand encompassed with LeBron James is going to make the average fan, forget Los Angeles, root for greatness, okay? You're going to root for LeBron James to continue his rampage towards Michael Jordan, towards the top. I'm not saying he's there. I'm not going to come on here and say that. But I'm going to tell you that I'm going to root for greatness. I don't know about a title, like I told you. But I do want to say that I want LeBron James to continue his greatness so that I get to say that I watched it. It's it's a thing that I envy in the older generations. They get to see, or they got to saw, 80s, they they had to see 80s basketball with Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. That saved the league. Right, this is my favorite sport ever, and then my brother gets to go to Chicago watch my like, watch Michael Jordan in the finals. It's absurd, and he gets to say it, and I'm jealous of it. And I've seen LeBron James play in person once, and he was better than everyone out on the floor. I want to say that one day LeBron James will be the greatest player of all time, and that I watched him. And that's why I root for greatness. Frankly, and, and I covered three sports, and I covered three athletes, three all-time greats. That's why I root for greatness. That's why I root for the old men getting it done in sports. That's why I rooted for the Dodgers until they lost. But in the end, that's the first edition of our show wrapped up. Thanks you all for, thank you all for joining me. Uh, it was a blast. I'm going to have more episodes coming your way. Hope that you enjoyed this and didn't turn it off halfway or as soon as I brought up Tom Brady. You didn't just turn this off. Uh, if you made it to the end of the show, if you made it to the end of the show, frankly, you deserve a reward. But uh, thank you for joining me. And uh, go enjoy yourselves, because I will too.